Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Matt, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Good talking to you, man. Thank you. Um, I have a question about plumbing. Um, we are in the process of moving our hot water heater uh, from the attic to the outside of the house. And uh, we're going to redo all of the plumbing in the house, transfer from PVC to what I call PEG. Okay. Uh, do my own stuff. PEG is all at the big box stores. But we've gotten three quotes from plumbers using a different product called Oopinar, uh, I think is what they called it. Right. Um, and they claim the connection type is different. It's not a crimp. It is an expansion joint or Correct. something. And I just wanted to get your opinion on, is, is that better or worse? What's the, what's the deal well, you know, I own a plumbing company, and mm-hmm. we use Upanor for all our connections as well. Okay. That uh, <laughs> the, 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 the big difference is, you know, the nice thing about PEX, it's, it's got, you can stretch it, and it shrinks back down uh, mm-hmm. to its original size. So basically, they have a tool that you stick into the pipe, you stretch it, you put your fitting in, and it shrinks back down on top of that fitting. It makes a great connection that it just holds better than anything out there right now. So you can actually do this yourself if you want. You you can buy the tool if you want. They're not that expensive, but you can also rent them. Hmm. Good to know. Good to know. We're getting a new uh, hot water system, uh, the tankless, and with the research yeah. pump on. Um, so, so, yeah, it seems to be the, the, the industry standard now. Uh, it is. Stuff, big box stores is kind of going by the wayside, huh? Well, it's it's not that. I mean, their their pipe is is fine as well. It's just when you when you crimp in order to hold it, uh, if you don't get the pressures just right, it can blow apart later. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Makes sense. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. you that, that's probably where we're gonna go. All right, you take care. Wayne, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Jim. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for taking my call. My pleasure. I have a question. I um, have a two-story home that has hardy siding, and uh, I was up in an upstairs room about a week ago, and we were changing out some things that were hanging on the wall. And when we pulled out the nail that was in the wall to an exterior wall, the nail was rusted a little bit on the inside. And so I'm concerned that there may be uh, excessive moisture in that wall, and I'm not sure how to check it or what might be the source of the leakage. Yeah, because it could be something not sealed on the wall properly. It could be something on the roof not sealed properly. So definitely something that you'll want to get checked out. That was an exterior wall, correct? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah, and see, that makes me wonder if there's moisture in the insulation in the wall. Uh, right. So they actually do make sensors. Uh, even some of the infrared pictures that they use can tell mm-hmm. if there's moisture in the walls. So that's what you're going to be looking for is somebody who can come in and do that. There's some of the home inspectors who have that type of equipment. I don't know of one out in the Fulcher area, um, okay. but you, you'll just have to call and ask ask them if they have uh, infrared cameras You know for for heat sensing and things like that. Okay. Okay. 
Um, is it, um, I went up in the attic. I didn't see any leakage spots on the uh, on the underside of the of the roof up there. Uh-huh. Um, could it be seeping in where the hardy is overlapping on the exterior? Well, only if it was installed wrong. <laughs> because you know the the way hardy is installed typically you're going to have plywood or some type of backer board on the wall then there's going to be a vapor barrier over that then comes the hardy product and when there's a lap on the hardy it's usually an inch and a half lap and so okay. the the moisture would have to go up an inch and a half mm-hmm. In yeah. through that vapor barrier, through the backer board or or plywood, whatever's on there, in order to get in. So again, it would come down to somebody had to install something improperly for that to happen. Sounds like there's several layers layers of protection there. Yeah. So do you think? Does you, do you think and um, it could be the roof? Then you think that's probably where it is. Mm, I mean, it's a possibility that it's in the roof. Uh, it, there's a, a also a possibility that that there is an issue with the way the Hardy was installed. Okay. Uh, and then, okay. of course, honestly, it could be that the nail just plain rusted, and that there's nothing to worry about. And that's the reason I would start with the infrared first to see if there's temperature differences, because that will show if there's moisture in the wall or not. Okay. Well, good. I, I appreciate that. That's what I'll do then. Okay, doke. You take well, care. Thank you very much. You, you bet. bet. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. 713-212-5874. That's 713-212-5874. Any home improvement question you have, feel free to pick up the phone. Give me a call because we're back to all open lines. So we can take your calls and answer your questions. Uh, you know, real quick on the infrared stuff. There are some attachments now, even for iPhones, that will take those infrared pictures. I have not used one, got no idea how accurate they are. But from the stuff that I have seen and read about them, they're actually supposed to do pretty good. So uh, that could be one of the options is to take a look at that as well. Let's head to Katie. John, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hi, Jim. Hey. I've got a balcony across the back of my house, um, and it's got a tile floor okay. on top of some mortar, and there's a flashing all the way around the sides of it, and it's uh, all starting to rust. It's made out of galvanized. Right. I, I wonder if there's a way to get that flashing out and replace it with something else without tearing up all the tile. No. No. Because it, it, <laughs> that was a quick and easy one, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, not truly, a good one, <laughs> no, not a good one. The flashing actually goes underneath the tile, and so the tile around the outside edge would have to come up. The tile in the middle would be fine. Okay. And so, what you can do, you know, truly, if if you you want to keep the rest of the tile, is just pick a different tile that. Uh, you know, is contrasting to what's on and put it, that would become a border around it and it'd oh, save you from, it'd save you from having to retile the whole thing. Okay. Uh, I'm wondering if it rusted out because of the grout 
in the tile wasn't sealed. Would sealing the uh, route be mm-hmm. a good idea? Well, it doesn't hurt anything to seal it, uh, but I'm betting you've got pine trees around the place, don't you? I do, yes. Yeah. Be, those pine needles put a lot mm-hmm. of acid, and that, that's rough on the uh, on the metal. I see. Was it, was well, it, was it galvanized have, metal, or was it just regular metal? It's galvanized. Okay. I also have some... Um, over the years, some some of the uh, lime has precipitated off from the uh, grout, and it's yep. dripped down onto the deck down below, and it's kind of built up. Yep. So yep. I'm wondering if that means I should seal it. Probably so. Okay. Now, the other thing you're going to want to take a look at, though, you know, if 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 it's got a good rubber mat under the tiles, you're, yeah. you should be fine. Uh, but when they start messing with the metal around it, if that rubber looks like it's not in good shape, you're going to want to take the tile up, redo all that, and and be done with it. Because otherwise, you're just going to have one problem after the other. How much would that be? You know, not a clue. Kind of. What kind of company does that? A roofing company. Roofing. Yeah. Okay. They don't do the tile, but. To, to seal that properly, it would be a roofing. Okay, and what kind of a company does the tile? Uh, that, just a tile company. Okay. All now, right, thank does, you very the, much. does the metal flashing, does it have holes in it yet? In a few places. Okay. Yep, then it's time. Oh, okay. All right. Well, it's 22 years old, so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Good luck thank with you that, John. Much. You bet. Well, thank you. Bye. Bye. Jim in Cyprus, how can I help you? Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Quick my pleasure. Question. I've got uh, a couple registers that have some mold around it. Uh, their house is about 14 years old. Of course, it's metal boxes with the insulation in it. And I had an air conditioning company come out and look at it, and they said, well, all you do is take it down, clean it. Uh, kill the mold or whatever. And then I had another one come out and tell us that uh, we need to use black lights and $3,400 and need to clean all the ducts. Yeah. What, what do you What do you, you don't, think about that? You don't need to spend 3400 bucks. Normally what causes this is a temper, temperature difference. And you're probably getting, given the age of the home, a little bit of leakage from the attic in where the boot comes through the sheetrock. And so when that warm air is meeting the cold air from the air conditioning system, it causes it to sweat a little bit, and you'll get moisture that starts getting uh, growing the mold like that. Now, every once in a while, it is caused by the air conditioning system not being tuned up properly, but I'm going to make the assumption, since you've had two guys out there, that they've checked the system and it's working properly. Is that correct? Yeah, one of the vents were closed, and the first guy said it's common when you have the closest registers to the unit get the colder air. Uh, Yeah. And so, but one of them was completely closed, so that was one of the things that I think was a problem. Yeah, you got to keep them open because uh, that changes the airflow on everything. And with that, I'm going to have to let you go. Terry, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Well, thank you for taking my call. Hey, I'm glad you called in. It gets lonely here when nobody calls. (laughs) <laughs> well, 
I understand that. I get lonely every once in a while, too. <laughs> How can I help you? Well, uh, in my bedroom, there is a crack on the taping bed for the entire length of the outside wall. Okay. I, uh, I, when we built the house, we drilled, drilled piers down to rock, mm-hmm. so I don't think that's uh, the problem. Is it just a bad taping bed job? If it's following the sheetrock joint, which it sounds like it is, yeah, that's not going to be foundation problems. Foundation problems typically will crack diagonal above a door or a window, and it it breaks through the sheetrock. Normally, if it's the tape coming loose at a joint that way, whether it's on the walls or the ceiling, it really was just a bad tape and float job. Well, it's been 30 years, so I guess... Couldn't, couldn't have been too bad then. Well, no, it's uh, 16 feet of it, but I guess I'm going to have to get that out of there. And Yep. Yeah, basically what you'll do is peel that off and sand it to where you got about 12 inches above and below where that joint is. Yeah. And that, that will give you the space then to retape and float it, bed it, and then you can retexture that area and paint and be done. But then I have to paint the whole bedroom. Well, you know, if it's 30 years, it's probably time anyways, isn't it? <laughs> You're talking like my wife. <laughs> I knew where that was going because I get that same conversation. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Actually, if you're on a block and base home, you, you kind of need to listen to this. Jim, I have a house about 18 inches on blocks built in the early 1960s. The lady that bought the house in 1980 had vinyl siding installed all the way to the ground, and I'm sure there should be some ventilation. How much do I need? I listen to your radio show every other Saturday. I love it. Keep up the good work. Thanks for the help, Cecil. Well, Cecil, you're 100% correct. It does need ventilation. For every 150 square foot of space that you have underneath there, you need one square foot of ventilation. And that's going to be the rule of thumb. Now, don't think you can put it all in one spot. Don't think you can do it all on one side. The way you need to split that ventilation up is you got to have it where air can move across underneath in the crawl space. Uh, Usually, it's preferred to have it on all four sides if, say, it's a box. But if you can only get it, say, vents across the back side, if you can put one vent in the front, you can put a fan to draw the air through. That's not as good as having multiple openings, but it will help. And the reason this ventilation is so critical, when you seal it up like that, the humidity levels in that crawl space skyrocket. And that moisture will start wood decay. Now, it takes years, but, you know, you tell me that this was done in 1980. That's 30 years ago. That's long enough that it would start rotting the boards underneath there. So, yes, the ventilation does need to be opened up and kept open. You know, one of the mistakes people make with block and base and pier and beam homes is come winter months and we're there, people start closing up those vents. That's a huge mistake. The other thing... Don't put insulation 
under your floors. Again, like fiberglass and cellulose and stuff like that, it holds moisture against the wood and starts it decaying. And some of the biggest jobs I've done replacing wood under homes is because insulation was there holding moisture against the wood and just rotting it out. Uh, and and if and when I say big jobs, I'm talking thirty and forty thousand dollar wood replacement jobs in a crawl space home. You don't, there's no reason that you need to do that if you keep the insulation out. And guess what? That insulation ain't helping your energy bill anyways. Put it in the walls, put it in the attic, but it's not doing you a heck of a lot of good in the crawl space. That crawl space temperature stays pretty consistent year round. And we need to quit worrying about the vent, the, the closing up the vents and all that stuff. Just leave them open. You'll be fine. Uh, yesterday, I put in a new mailbox. And one of the things uh, when in putting in a new mailbox is you set the post. You set it in concrete. So I had to pull the old one out first. And I had only put that one in probably, I don't know, six, nine months ago, something like that. Uh, and the only reason I was changing it out was... It got hit. So, and no, I did not hit it. Uh, but I don't set my post with wet concrete. I always dry pack it. And so it's it's rare that you get the opportunity to pull it out and see just how well that works. So yesterday I pulled that one out. You could not tell that that wasn't poured wet concrete. It was every bit as hard as regular concrete. Uh but the advantage to doing this dry is you're able to work on the post immediately. So yesterday when I was setting the mailbox, we put some concrete in there, dry of course, use a shovel handle to pack it, and you start you get your post level as you're coming up. You just do it in like six-inch lifts and just keep packing it, six-inch lifts, packing it. And you're able to do all the work, set the mailbox and all that stuff immediately. It really works well, and the concrete does set up from the ground moisture. So whether you're doing a mailbox, a fence, uh, I did it with a flagpole, doesn't matter. Dry pack it. It works great. So we were talking about glue-down wood floors and putting a uh, sealer down first, and that's great with the exception of how well does a sealer work when the water is coming through the concrete and pushing on it? Sealers work great when they're on the side that's being pushed against the concrete. So if the sealer was under the concrete, it would work wonderfully. But when it's on top of the concrete and the moisture is coming through the concrete, it still tends to break loose and allow moisture to pass through. Now they do have some new adhesives out that are supposed to act as a moisture barrier and uh, don't they don't soften even when they're sitting underwater uh, and those are supposed to do much much better for wood floors i have not used them they haven't i haven't seen them out long enough I, all i know is the wood floors that were put down five to 20 years ago are just having a heck of a time with the moisture that's in the concrete and honestly, I blame a lot of the floor people. You know, it's easy to come back and say, oh, look at how much moisture is in this concrete. Why in the heck didn't you do the test first? <clears throat> and they don't. And I don't understand that. 
Uh, you know, they're 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 in such a rush to let's put this floor in, let's put this floor in and and collect on it. They don't bother doing the proper testing prior to doing it because if they did, in a lot of those cases, you would put a floating floor in instead, or you would address where's this moisture coming from. Homeowners. A lot falls on your shoulders. You cannot keep adding mulch to the flower beds and stuff and raising the soil and raising the soil and raising the soil and think there's not going to be consequences. That's where the moisture will travel through the concrete then. You've got to have good drainage away from the house. And you're looking to drain the water 5 to 10 feet away from the foundation. Don't let it puddle. Don't let the dog dig next to it. Don't be... You know, tilling it up and putting in a lot of uh, plants and stuff. Because when you till it up, now it it's more like a sponge because it's loose soil. The water goes between the soil molecules and, and it sits there like a little pond until that soil repacks again. And, and, and please, I'm not telling you don't put plants in there. Don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you, make sure when you do, you're keeping three to four inches of foundation showing, and you're keeping it where water drains away. Those are the key things. If we did that, there'd be two things. One, we'd have far less problems with our glue-down wood floors. Two, we'd have less foundation problems as well. Because that standing water causes foundation problems also. But if you think about the old wood floors, it was rare that we had an issue with wood floors that were put in in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and into the early 70s. We started having major problems with wood floors when we started trying to glue the wood floor down to the concrete. It's not a good program. Prior to that, what we were doing is using hot tar to glue 2 by 4 strips down, and there was hot tar over the entire floor. What did the hot tar do? It sealed the moisture from coming through the concrete. The 2 by 4 screed lifted us up off the concrete floor, and those floors did great. But we don't do it that way anymore because we supposedly know better and, and we're looking to do things faster. Well, now we got glue-down wood floors that if it spits outside, they start cupping because they're getting moisture through the concrete. We can still do it where it doesn't happen, we just have to know enough to tell the installers, hey, that's not what I want. Now, as far as putting a sealer down, I'm not gonna I would never tell you don't put a sealer down. I'm just saying it's not gonna be the end all problems when you do it. Terry, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, thank you for taking the call. Um, I am considering looking for a house, um, either new or existing uh, along the Texas Gulf Coast, maybe Rockport, Fulton, somewhere, Port Mansfield. And I'm wondering if you had any general um, suggestions on items to look for in either a new or existing home as far as wind protection, um, anything that you would recommend. Yeah, the, the newer homes are going to be built to a code, the windstorm code. Older structures okay. aren't. So that's going to be one of the big things you want to look at. Uh, because w what you'll find is if you got two buildings sitting next to each other, one was built in 2015, for instance, and the other one was built in 1965, the, the place built in 65 isn't going to handle the wind the way okay. the, the, the newer one's going to. But 
if the older one's been remodeled several times, it should have been brought up to code already with the windstorm certifications. And th those certifications carry through a lot of different parts of the building. The roof, you know, the, the way the shingles are installed, the windows, uh, the type of glass that's used in them, uh, the way the strapping of the framework to the roof of the house is done. Uh, so even the, even the siding uh, creates a, a lot of different things. The other thing you're going to want to be aware of is <clears throat> the tide elevations because older structures you're going to find are built in on the bottom and newer ones are always sitting up on the stilts. Well, it's only because that the older one was grandfathered that they're able to build it in. And even if you do get a flood where the downstairs gets destroyed, because it had it before, they let you build it back. And so if you want that downstairs built in, you would want to be looking for an older structure. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I do appreciate this. We're just getting started, and I thought, well, I'm listening to your program. I'd give you a call. So um, maybe I'll call back when we find uh, something we're interested in. But okay. thank you for now, your time. One, one other quick thing to, to, to make sure you watch is the yeah. fasteners that they use to put the things like the decks and, and stuff around a structure. Uh, uh -huh. Because of the salt water, if they used regular nails and stuff, they rust out quickly. Uh, so typically you're having to use uh, stainless steel and things like that in order to keep it from uh, rusting apart. Okay, very good. And um, if we go with the new house, then they should have all of this information available, They should. Right? Yep. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, thank you so much for your you time. Bet. And, and uh, I appreciate it. Take care, Terry. You too. Thank you, sir. Bye. And, you know... And don't, and don't let me get you. Don't let me scare anybody from buying an older structure along the coast, because there are advantages to it. Like I said, that downstairs being grandfathered in can be a huge benefit to people. Uh, but you just have to be aware of you know what you're dealing with uh, with these structures on that. And uh, you know, just from my personal opinion, I would tend to look on the canals. If you're wanting waterfront, I would look on the canals rather than looking on beachfront. And the main reason for that, the beachfront is steadily moving. And as the, as the uh, beach erodes away and it gets closer to your structure, your structure becomes the beachfront. You don't have anything to say about it. You can lose that property. Unlikely to happen when you're on a canal uh and it's it, you can have your boat right there at the house when you're on the canal and you know easy access out and all that kind of stuff so there are some definite advantages to being on a canal versus out on the beachfront now on the beachfront obviously you've got the great view looking out at the ocean itself but you can get that from some of the canals as well so you just have to hunt around You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.